0: What's up, beautiful humans, and welcome to this pilot episode of Fuck Diplomacy. This is a new medium for me, podcasts and video conversation things. Basically, I just want to make more space for progressive leftist media in an increasingly fascist-driven, crisis-ridden world. I descend from two generations of Belgian diplomats, and having been a crisis documentary filmmaker for 10 years, given what I learned about the state of the world, I just don't think there's time to be diplomatic anymore. On this show, I will invite my favorite guests for an honest and personal interview. These are people who have crossed my path and impacted me, and more importantly, the world, in fundamental ways. We are based out of the Mad Quarters in Ghent, Belgium, and you can support this podcast by liking, rating, sharing, commenting, ranting, resisting you know the things. If you are an advertiser with decent morals, ethics and practices, please get in touch. I am always looking for funding, aren't we all? And in this pilot episode, I'm talking to Mo. Mo and I met on a VR film production for UNICEF in Gaza in 2018. We talk about bombardments worse than death, the guilt of survival, trying to film drone shots while encountering Al qassam what life was like in Gaza before October 7th, and how everything has now changed. I hope you enjoy it, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, all the things that help, and also, of course, fuck diplomacy. You ah, can bring right. the microphone okay. right in so I, um, right up to your mouth you need to know how to use these yeah stuff. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. bring it you can bring it right in Okay. Right in, yeah. there you go okay. and you can move it around it's not really a big deal whatever yeah if to. i feel like moving yeah it's good to have you, man. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a, it's a bit big for me. Dude, it's, cannot, uh, we brought out, we've whipped out the big guns for you. All the big lights and the good cameras I and I the see, good yeah, camera people. Know, and, uh, I like not
1: to call them guns at this no. stage.
0: <laughs> no. Way. That was a poor choice of words. So <laughs> a good start for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> (laughs) No, but um, for our listeners, I just want to welcome you guys to uh, the pilot episode of Fuck Diplomacy. And my first guest is Mo, as I call him, uh, and uh, Mo and I met in Gaza. Uh, And given what's going on in the world right now, why don't we start at the start? And that was where we met, Mo. Mm. So I'll give a bit of context and then I'll hand it over to you to give your perspective. Uh, but me and a colleague of mine were working on a series of films called Where Children Learn for UNICEF. And we were going to various places to film how kids in tricky situations were going to school. And we had gone to Mongolia, we had gone to Kenya, and our last uh, mission was to Gaza. And we had found a window to get in, and we went to Israel, and we crossed the border and went into Gaza, and suddenly we were in Gaza, in a UNICEF office, and when you're doing these kinds of films, you're always looking for somebody who can, you know, the person who actually like can get the shit done. Because uh, as a film crew, you're always getting in everyone's way, you're always asking tricky questions, there's always a shit going on. And that's when we met you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, then, and then we just, we started, we had a good vibe and we hung out, but you guys really showed us the reality of living in an occupation. Uh, and, we could relate to you because you were working in a humanitarian uh, in a humanitarian organization. You obviously cared for the people you were working with because they were your home, your family, um, and we just got along. And you gave us the the horrible reality of what you were living in. Uh, so, tell me about like that point like when we came into your lives what was your life like how are you experiencing that and um, what's happened since then this was like 2018 mm-hmm. um, yeah um was was
1: quite fun the entire mm-hmm. trip guys. when you came because um, we wanted to do something around education
2: mm-hmm.
1: and education in that area is a, a quite like, you know, a, an, an issue historically, but one of those forgotten things. Like, you know, because you go sometimes to save lives with health, vaccination, uh, wash, interventions. But education is quite an issue. Like for me, I've um, I've gone to honor schools and it was double shift all the time. Mm. And um, I think the generations after me, they started seeing the triple shift which makes you go very early to school and leave quite early. And some kids, they go quite late, like you know around 3 p.m., they come back around 7. Yeah. And uh, this keeps changing and rotating, so it's a schedule, and you never get used to one routine around getting to school, in addition to the quality education, in addition to the broken windows because of the wars and bombardment around the schools, because this time we're seeing schools being like fully destroyed i'm i'm I'm, like i imagine how we're going to perform education in the city with less than tens of schools still available we're talking about almost 300 schools yeah were destroyed whether it's a united Nations schools or it's a governmental schools and by the way honorua has 70 percent of the schools yeah um so if we wanna do that movie again, I think it's gonna be a bit of a struggle, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be big, but for me, um, it's it's the city where I feel loved the most. I feel taken care of, and I think most of uh, the internationals when they visit it, it has this like you know caring kind of soul as a city. Definitely. The Gazans are quite warm. Definitely. And uh, I think because of the challenges they have been through, so they learn to be kind to each other because this is what you eventually end up having. Yeah. The ones you know who take care of each other. And sometimes uh, you face struggles in life. As it's a city where like 70% of the young people are in, uh, unemployed. Yeah. So you actually need to support each other. Um, your supporting mechanisms is uh, they're not banking systems yeah it's your social capital yeah Uh, because it's almost mission impossible to take a loan in Gaza from the bank they don't trust you're gonna be back because of the economic hardship in 2021 Like, we continue to see a lot of airstrikes and we used to call them escalations, three, four days. Yeah, yeah. When uh, the situation goes dire in Gaza, uh, less AIDS coming in, no fuel getting in. Yeah. The hardship goes beyond specific limits. So you see some kind of escalation from the faction and the Israelis. Or when Israel decides to assassinate someone suddenly out of nowhere. Yeah. But we get into 2021, Thomas. Yeah. 2021... 11 days i told israel in the middle of the bombardment when adam was rolling himself with the blanket yeah. and barely can breathe
0: and how old was adam then?
1: was uh, he's six he was uh he was four at yeah. that point he was like barely breathing in the middle of the bombardment and was quite heavy like 45 mm. minutes of non-stop mm. bombardment to the limit that like for me i understand that i'm in a a protected building. Mm. It's like, I know there is no one in that building could be target, but you cannot help it. Mm. Your skin starts the feeling like you're actually, um, you fear the sound more than death. Mm. It goes into your cells, your body cells. So we decided this is crossing the lines. This is not a war between two sides. It's like, you know, it's someone who's trying to teach us deep inside our conscious, inside our hearts and blood, Hmm. a lesson of fear Hmm. that I cannot let my kids live it. So I decided to find another job outside and I left and unfortunately I'm ending up now living the um, survival guilt. Um, You know, it's... uh,
0: But this is the... There's two things I want to say there. The first thing is I think it's important for um, people listening to understand that like your norm, like you, you talk about these escalations, like uh, very, like they're very explosive moments and that the bombardments are the things that, that, you know, it's like what they used to call in the first world war and stuff, the shell shock, like almost that really. um, And I get that, but like, to me, even without experiencing that level of bombardment, your baseline of experience of living in an occupied state, uh, the way like, you know, you were just, we would hear the drone, you're like, oh, that's the drone. And we would be sitting having a coffee, and you'd be like, and we'd hear some just, and you're just like, oh, that's the fisherman. Yeah. And it was just like, I was like, that could be somebody getting killed, and that drone could fucking murder me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, and then, and beyond like the killing and stuff, also just like, you can't just leave whenever you want. You can't come whenever you want. Uh, you were talking to me about You know, even if you just wanted to watch a football game, like they would interrupt the signal right when the game started, and then at at halftime they would open up the signal and then they would start playing it and they'd cut the signal again. Just all that, just making life so hard and so like the fact that bombardment is like is your your peak moments of like, oh yeah, maybe maybe this is a moment where we leave. To me, and that brought me to ask you a question that fundamentally changed the way that I view people who flee war. Is I, We were sitting in your living room and I said to you, you it was just endless days, a barrage of stuff from you, from Israel, from, from everybody we were meeting, uh, lowering my bar for humanity uh, and being like, how could this be possible? How is this so blatant? What the fuck is going on? And I said to you, I said, Mo, why don't you just leave? Because you've got kids, you've got a wife, you've got a good job. You've got a better job than most of the people in Palestine. You have better access to being able to flee this completely inhuman situation. Why don't you just go? And your answer to me was, what am I going to do, be a refugee in Ghent? And it was... It really, that punched me in the gut uh, because you were right. This was your home. Like, of course, it's not just like, to me, I'm just like, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll just go, I'll drive across the border to wherever the fuck I need to go. But to you, you were like, why the fuck would I leave? I, I have a question to you. you. You have a message
1: in life yeah. and you're doing it right now. If I come to you with a pistol and I say you gotta stop, this message, mm. or, or I kill you. It's wise to stop. Mm. But you're gonna live with it. Like I surrendered, I was born as a Palestinian. And honestly, when I look at it, and when I look at like the closed very soon, very later history, like it's 1917, man. Mm. When that pillful thing happened, it's fair. It's like one of the most clear, just causes on earth. If I abandon it and I start living somewhere else and I start defending other causes, actually, you cannot count on me to defend other causes because I ran from the most just cause I was uh, um, assigned to as a Palestinian by birth, by port. You know, and it's it's not questionable mm. for us. As Palestinian, for me as Muhammad, it's not com- complicated as they keep saying it. Because everyone you ask him, what do you think about the Palestinian? Nah, it's complicated. It's not.
0: No, it's not. I it's g- not. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I agree actually with that.
1: crystal clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're complicating it yeah. because we don't want to solve it.
3: Yeah.
1: But solving it, it's quite easy. But I um I was in Gaza in July. Mm. In July last year. I was in Gaza for a month.
3: Jeez,
1: yeah. And uh, Gaza was progressing, man. Like They're still receiving four hours of electricity
2: mm.
1: for the last 17 years. You have an electricity issue in your life,
2: yeah. and
1: it's a city that is that goes so humid in summer mm. and goes cold in winter, and people do not have the ability to wake up and take a shower. Mm. You need to check if the water is here, and then if the electricity is here, it's like imagine sometimes we like you're forced to take cold fle- freezing water because as a human being you used to get out of the house taking a shower. Some people do it when they're like they're kind of flexible, they do it when there is electricity. But this idea itself, when you look at it, you cannot practice one single behavior or practice that any human being is entitled to, and this. Uh, not because of occupation. It started when Gilad Shalit was uh, abducted in 2005. And the Israelis, they destroyed the electricity distribution generation company mm. in Gaza. And they said this will never be brought back until the release of Gilad Shalit. Mm. Gilad Shalit was released. Israel cut more even power supply to Gaza. Yeah. That the drone thing and the signal, yeah. um, there is a very famous game between england and france and was in the euro i think 2000
2: mm.
1: when zidane scored two goals in the last two minutes yeah, yeah, I remember. the electricity was cut in the last five minutes of the game and we missed and zidane is my favorite player <laughs> on earth and until today i've seen it i've seen it directly afterwards yeah but missing it in that moment yeah. is an issue Allowing you to watch the ad between the two halves yeah. and not watch the games and yeah. the signal goes strong you feel sometimes that the one riding the drone is actually watching and his aim is to disturb you
0: Yeah, yeah, but that was and that was the thing that struck me because you also talked about You know the people in Gaza being a warm people. I felt that too across every because this is the thing about filmmaking is, you know, we meet you and you take us into all these people's homes from various like like levels of society and uh, people experiencing horrible situations, but also like people doing humanitarian work and all these things. Across the board, everyone was always like, oh, you want some tea? Let's have a seat. like There's all this, it's just that, the wonderful thing. But on the other side of the wall, It's very different (laughs) Uh, it was a very different experience because from the moment you land and we landed in tel aviv you were if we said and we had to say we were going to the palestinian territories uh you know you're surrounded by suits and you're getting questioned constantly Mm -hmm. and everything my phone was out of my view for 45 minutes twice and i was in israel for three hours at that time and i was like okay so what is this like for somebody who's actually from there, because I have a Belgian passport, I have white skin, like I'm sure they don't make too many problems about me. But for somebody who actually is trying to go home or come from home and go somewhere else, it's a there's an intent to the way that you're treated. Yeah. And it's very like I had never seen it on so many levels. Like I had seen stuff in Africa where, you know, people are thrown at a mine you know, and it's just like, it's like, for lack of a, it's horrible, but it's just grinding through people for resource, uh, that I had seen before. And that's horrible in and of itself, but that is, there's like an, that's that economic drive, uh, and people justify it that way. Not that I agree with it, but that's the justification that's used. Um, but this was just so cynical and so like you're so in. How are you not constantly enraged? Because me experiencing it for like a week or two, uh, I remember being on the flight on the way back, and my blood was just flowing at a pace like, and my heart was just, and I was just so fucking angry. Uh, and I kept thinking, like, how do you even, how do you live, <laughs> like that? How do you? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah.
1: And imagine you go to your classroom in a normal day to find the chair next to you is empty and uh, with uh, a photo of your uh, classmate Mm. because he died last night Mm.
2: um,
1: because he decided to express his anger. And Mm. this was like, you know, in 2000, what, like two, three? And I was in elementary school. Uh, when I lost Muhammad, and he decided to get angry and or maybe go with the flow. Like a lot of kids were going next to the checkpoint, which was like on the borders of Gaza, called Al-Muntar. It was a crossing before. Mm. He was throwing stones. Mm. It was a small kid, like, you know, 11 years old. Yeah, he was yeah. shot in his head. Jesus. And you live with that fact. Yeah. Uh, we, at some point, we were discussing like, why did he go? Like, it's dangerous. Yeah. That was our discussion inside. Yeah, because, yeah, like, Jesus. this is what even our families tell us. But it was one of those, like, you know, intifada things. Hmm. It's freedom fighting. We just go to express our angers. It's a small stone. It's not, it's against a tank, hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, when I reflect and I say, like, it was it was an environment that is full of blood and casualties and someone getting in with a tank, destroying everything and leaving. And actually, it's, it's, uh, we're entitled to go at least to throw a stone, to mm-hmm. feel angry. But that continues from your childhood to become an adult and you continue to, ex- to experience different kind of treatment mm. for the Palestinians by the colonizer, by the occupier is my wife was stripped naked at ERIS. Mm. And she's uh, a wife of a United Nation profession.
3: Yeah.
1: She was stripped naked for no reason. Yeah. Just diselect someone randomly, and you get out with the feel of humiliation deep inside you.
3: Yeah.
1: And then when you react, they might call you terrorist. Yeah. Or what? Yeah. In the first place, why there is a checkpoint? Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. why, until like today as a Gazan, I cannot go technically anywhere.
3: Yeah.
1: For me, I was privileged enough to get a permit and to even visit Israel. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have my perspective on the whole thing and the Israeli society because I've made some friendship. You know, you go, you visit a place, you... Because what it takes to make someone understand you is uh, having the ability to listen. Yeah. Because what we're experiencing is unacceptable. We know this as Palestinians and we know that there is double standards globally mm. or maybe we we see the world the same as we see ourselves sometimes. Like, for example, what happened in Karabakh. We Palestinians, we didn't even read about it. Mm. What happened in Several countries in Africa, what happened in Iraq, what happened in Syria. Like, we were raised for a month or two, but then we went back to normal. Mm. This what happened to most of the world after 75 years of hearing the whole Palestinian thing.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. And they advocate, they say things. Sometimes when you ask them, they say what is right, but no one has the will mm. to risk something mm. for that cause. And they know that the risk with that specific cause— Yeah too high
0: yeah so i mean this was the thing for me was when i was a kid um i also come from a, I come from you know diplomats but un family as well and i was i remember i must have been like 14 15 years old with my dad in the general assembly of the un and we were going around you know the countries and he was explaining us the buttons of the voting and all this stuff and Uh, For me, that's still a significant space, the General Assembly. I mean, the UN for all its flaws, and we can talk about all its flaws, but the General Assembly is the place where every country has an equal voice, where every, it's not necessarily the place where the decisions get made, but it's at least a podium where everyone's heard. And for me, as a communicator, that's significant. Uh, That's a significant space. Um, And we're walking around the space, and, you know, Belgium's over here, America's over here, you know, Israel's over here. And I remember asking my dad, like, where's Palestine? And he's like, oh, it's in the back over there. It's like observer state thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just go check. It's over there. And I'm like, and I go to the thing and it says OPT. And I'm like, what's what's that stand for? And he's like, yeah, occupied Palestinian territories. I'm like, wait, like the UN recognizes that this place is occupied. Yeah. Uh, that's insane and the occupier has a full right yeah and the (laughs) occupiers down there and the under occupation has semi half
1: kind of representation in that general assembly yeah yeah and you gotta deal with
0: that but i just and that up to that point i had already been in the place where like i noticed israel palestine my dad talks to his colleagues it's always a really like volatile discussion it's like you know there's really strong opinions it's always complicated blah 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 um so that moment with my dad really fueled the thing where i was like okay i i want to go i want to see both sides of this i want to meet people on both sides of this i don't want to keep just reading about it or seeing films about it i mean i did all of that and then i had the chance to come uh and to see it uh and it was that the thing of even just crossing that border uh, and the way that that border was and the way that those checkpoints were, uh, like the dehumanization, the level of dehumanization. I remember the, the Israeli authority from the moment I said I was going to the Palestinian territories, the way their eyes felt looking at me, it's like they could just look straight through me. They don't regard you as a human anymore they just it's like it it's like a switch and it turns off yeah uh that i'll never that feeling it's for life you feel that and you you were i mean like you even told me that you the place where you were born was is no longer regarded as palestine
1: the place where i'm coming where my grandfather is coming from which is called uh in Hebrew, Ashkelon. For us, it's called Asqalan. Mm. I, I went to visit uh, the place with Isra, and mm. we spent like the entire day there. And it feels it feels home. Yeah. To the limit that I said, Isra, just leave. You mm. know, I, I, I have some kind, of, like, I might just sleep over here, like yeah. I stay for good. <laughs> And it's, it's dangerous. You lose your permit and so on. So, But uh, we had... We had uh, so you had a time limit. Like yeah, you could it's only like do a you, day. You get, you get your permit with time limits. So if yeah. you're lucky, you get something called zero-zero permit. So you go entirely over and so on. And if you're um, not lucky or if not, they're not happy with your behavior on Facebook, for example, mm. do You have um, whether you get denied based on security reasons, and this could go up to 10 years, or you get a permit called 5 a.m. to 7 p.m., and it's called a permit despite uh, banning. Mm. Like we ban him, we banned him, but we're giving him exceptional permit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we went there. Uh, we went several times to Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, and we went to the West Bank. Mm. And honestly, as, as a Gazan, I've been living a lot under like, all these measures of the occupation. It's, it's unique in the West Bank.
2: Mm.
1: It's very humiliating in a different way.
2: Yeah.
3: Like
1: in Gaza, I can cross from a city to a city without having a checkpoint. This is no longer the case. Like there is no, no, f- no movement yeah, yeah. in Gaza now. But in the West Bank, moving through those ch- checkpoints, and it's not about you waiting in queues for hours. But when you see the elderly people, 80, having to go through those metal kind of gates that, keeps running we call it mm.
2: and
1: if you have a bag or so it's like it's really an issue yeah, yeah. and they have to go alone and helping them is not easy like you go you try to help but it's and you just ask like you know even if you want to do a checkpoint mm. if you have a security concern you can do it in a way that guarantees the minimum humanity, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: but
1: you feel it's designed based on the opposite. Yeah, like, yeah. Let's humiliate them yeah. as much as we can. Yeah. And I was telling my friends, like, you know, we in Gaza, <laughs> we don't allow this to exist. You know, we yeah. do not allow <laughs> this to
0: exist. Oh my God.
1: Like, oh. we do not. Like, we attack it. Yeah. And I think this is a default acceptable reaction to it. If someone comes in the middle of your house and puts a checkpoint between the bedroom and the toilet,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: you just
1: destroy the checkpoint. Yeah. You do not find another way to go to the toilet and accept the reality or go through it and you're supposed to smile, otherwise, you're a terrorist. No, mm. I, I do. This is not how I was raised as a human being. Mm. And um, yeah, it's. Uh Entire thing, man, it's just sad. Yeah. Can you pull that mic in a little? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, but then the one thing um and I guess that like because we were there uh in Gaza um at the moment of like the march of what was it, the march of great return? The great march Uh, of return. yeah. Yeah. And so there was that the peaceful resistance kind of element to it. Um but like talk to me about resistance and talk to me about Hamas because like my My, when I was coming into Gaza, the narrative that I had been fed was like, okay, violent terrorists, you have to be careful, blah, blah, blah. And that was like, that was the frame within which I entered. But obviously then I came and I met you and you were like, at that point, you were saying, oh, look, Hamas makes our lives awful. The Israelis make our lives awful. We don't want any of them. We just want to live our lives. Uh, But obviously, like, there's also a legal context in which you know, resistance against an occupation is justified. Um, so, and this is what you're talking about now, about like in Gaza, like, you know, when that kind of shit, that, those kind of checkpoints get put up, we get rid of them. Like there is that, there is that the, the general atmosphere of resistance against the occupier, the colonizer. How did you experience that in life? And I mean, obviously you talked about when you were a kid, what that was like, but when you grew into adulthood, what kind of shape did that take, and what was your perspective on it?
1: So, like, it's 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 good to go a little bit backwards when it comes to uh, the Palestinian-Israeli thing, because now we're hoping for the Palestinian Authority, or in another name, Fatah, to mm-hmm. come and control Gaza. And let's let's just remember what Fatah was trying to do in 1965 when it was established. Like, it was. Uh, um military violent resistance against the occupation that was, that committed genocides to start their own country in '48. Yeah. They expelled people and the whole thing started with the United Nations recognizing Israel as a state yeah. and calling for a Palestinian state. Yeah. What? Like you're issuing the decision why you didn't recognize the two states? Yeah. And it was 51% for the Palestinians, 49% for the Israelis. This was the decision. And then in '67, the entire thing changed, and now we started like, yeah, the Palestinians will get 22nd only of the historical land of Palestine. And Fatah started this resistance, violent resistance, and was like they hijacked planes and they uh, even attacked in Munich. It was like it was big, and a lot of people were actually labeling the PLO as a terrorist organization. Mm. Then. When they started talking peace, they realized that, whoa, those people could be peace partners because they're actually demanding freedom. Mm. This, they gave Yasser Arafat a Nobel Prize, who was number one or two terrorists on earth. Mm. With Hamas, like it's a group of people from the same exact Palestinian society who were fed up with decades of Long, prolonged peace process that results into more occupation, more settlements, more blockade, more attack on people, more security, freedom for Israel to do whatever it wants whenever they think is right. Mm -hmm. And when they have a political disagreement between the right and the left. We always pay for it as Palestinians. Like they find a reason to bomb you. Yeah. And it's a distraction approach. Like if you want to distract the society from what is happening inside, you actually go kill Palestinians. Yeah. And Hamas won the election in two thousand
2: five.
0: Mm. This is the election that everyone always talks about. Yeah. It's like actually but you the, elected them. The
1: presidential one was like two thousand five, then the parliament one was like two thousand six. So the Palestinians chose Mahmoud Abbas mm-hmm. as a president, because the power is with the president, but they wanted Hamas for running life because Hamas promised economic packages mm. for the population. Mm-hmm. Hamas promised bitter governance. And the Palestinians were done with the corruption of Fatah. Yeah. They started seeing the leaders of the Palestinian Authority having like, you know, fancy cars, big houses. And Hamas said, we promise, To change it, and uh, it was their um, when they went for the election. Their slogan was "a tahrir wal a change, a change and transparency. Wow! You know they wanted to fix the system. This was their slogan. We have seen nothing of this.
2: Yeah.
1: Because the second they were elected, the entire internal conflict started. Mm. Semi civil war. Because um, the entire world did not accept Hamas yeah. to rule. Yeah. Because they do not recognize Israel as a state. Mm-hmm. And they wanted Hamas to recognize Israel as a state. And to agree to the four conditions of the Quartet, But no one mentioned that israel does not recognize palestine as a state yeah i
0: know that's a like, double standard
1: you, you cannot like you, no we don't want israel to recognize the palestinian to start recognizing them but we want the palestinians to recognize yeah. the israelis yeah. without them being recognized yeah this is what happened to hamas hamas Ridiculous. saw this as unfair we palestinians we thought okay can you compromise a little bit dear hamas people and share with the pa the management of the whole thing and let the ones acceptable talk to the world didn't happen Hmm. because a blockade started Hmm. and that blockade started with hamas kidnapping an
0: israeli soldier one israeli soldier
1: and a lot of people continue to blame hamas until um until today for that thing because We started actually seeing two to four to six, the best case scenario, eight hours of electricity a day, 5,000 people got killed, 10,000, 12,000 got injured, a lot of people got imprisoned because of that one soldier. And then we managed to release 1,113 something prisoner but we've never got the electricity or our economic situation or freedom of movement which has all which was better before that mm. wasn't the best wasn't fully humane no no but well, we're talking you know difference always no, between yeah. the minimum the low like something under sewage we call it yeah yeah and what is acceptable as a minimum we had what is acceptable as a minimum with the pa controlling of crossing mm. but then those guys they started putting a lot of pressure on them in 2008, 2009 uh, was big Israeli operation. And when you kill people, they don't surrender, man, especially when they have no other option. Hmm. Even the option of surrender is not available. Like if we surrender as Palestinians, what are they going to do? Yeah. Like they're gonna take more lands. Yeah. Because we're not fighting in the West Bank and
0: they're doing it, yeah.
1: so. Yeah, surrender we, to what? Exactly.
0: (laughs) How much more can you surrender? A lot of
1: unemployed, a lot of people who have witnessed their families' death. A lot of people witnessed their own houses being demolished, your own memories, seeing your friends being killed or injured. Yourself is struggling with every single second of your life. And I think normal reaction to this is people become a little bit radical and they want to teach that occupational lesson. For us as palestinians we are not religious people by default Mm. we've never been Mm. like in the 70s you talk a lot about gaza shores and beaches and you know alcohol and the people in bikinis and people dressing the way they want even hijab was minimum Mm. but with this the continuous pressure And occupation and blockade and uh, attack in human rights pushed people towards radicalization more and more because it's it's default in history. When you're struggling economically, you go to religion because you want to complain to someone.
0: Yeah, you don't have any other option. Yeah, you go up. Yeah, of course.
1: (laughs) And the Palestinians somehow went up, but they, I don't, I, I think. They blamed Hamas for being in that struggle for Mm -hmm. a bit because it's default. Israel can go ugly beyond our imagination. We know this. Mm -hmm. They have killed a lot of Palestinians have been fed also with the stories from Lebanon when Mm -hmm. the Israelis were like stabbing pregnant women in 82. We know that they can go too ugly. So for us, do not push that beast. Do not wake up the beast. Mm-hmm. They blame them a little bit. Now we're realizing that actually Israel does not need enough justification to do this. They actually can create one as yeah. they did in the 7th of October. Now we're realizing, oh, yeah. a lot of these stories were just fiction stories. Yeah. Like you you made them up. Yeah. And you continue to lie and lie and lie to justify what you're doing. And as Palestinian. I was shocked, I was sad to see some images from the 7th of October mm-hmm. because for me freedom fighting comes with a full checklist. Mm. You believe in every single human being right to anything entitled to him and written according to the laws freedom fight you need to finish all those checklists this is for us as palestinians Mm -hmm. you cannot see civilians being kidnapped Mm -hmm. man we suffered from this the most yeah uh i know that this hamas has clarified recently it's a it's like most of it mistakes yeah but they didn't come up with this narrative at the beginning for me for me it's even like they should have gone out with the narrative the first day and they should to hold everyone has been part of attacking civilians accountable. Yeah. Because you're just a just human cause of yeah. freedom fighting. Keep it pure.
2: Yeah. And
1: I know it's not easy to, ha- to, to be done. But even with that civilians thing that happened on the 7th of October, we should not allow the strong to act with the feeling of revenge for 113, 15 days today. Yeah. It's it's a revenge. Like, if your brother is angry and he's killing me, you ask him to stop, right? You say, man, we can fix it. Like, just stop. You're about to kill 2.3 million people. And honestly, I think psychologically they killed a lot. But the idea of resistance is valuable. It's not only, it's valuable for the Placian people. And honestly, if I'm not strong enough, I cannot get into negotiation with you. Yeah. If we're not equally strong, we cannot get into negotiation with each other. Yeah. Like, I'm going to lose. Like, it's definite. Yeah. If you're strong and you're occupying everything and you're taking everything and you have the ability to even continue without anyone on earth stopping you, yeah. you want me to come and negotiate what? Yeah. Ghassan Kanafani says, like, you know, you want me to negotiate while the sword is on the neck? Like, yeah. what kind of negotiation is yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: And
0: still,
1: like, Hamas is like 20,000 militants, man. Yeah. Some of them are put barefoot. Like we're not talking about a no. military organization no, that is
0: strong, but that's the but that's also like the that whole that whole that narrative of like the fact that there sh- would be two equal sides to this conflict is insane, right? Like you have the might of the American military industrial complex on right. one side and you have barefoot AK47 fighters. In tunnels on the yeah. other side.
1: You know what it looks like? It sounds like you stepping on my neck. Mm. And I hit you. And then you say, oh, I declare a war against what? Yeah. We're yeah. Already, <laughs> you're yeah. already occupying us. Like, you, you know, I have the right to self-defense. Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. I know. I feel it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like this for 75 years. Oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 But, but also, I want to remind you of when we wanted to film.
0: <laughs> no. No, no, no! Go for it! No, yeah. no please, please! Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: When we were we we, we were trying to uh, find a destroyed house, and yeah. it's, an, it's an amazing society, you know. The Gaza go or a war happens, mm-hmm. two three months, everything is clean.
0: Yeah, the city goes back to life. Yeah, yeah. And we were trying to find a destroyed building just to yeah. help the message. Yeah, I mean, we needed the image of the bombardments to show to tell yeah. that part of the story. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, we yeah. were talk- she was saying like bombardment and destroyed
1: places and so on. Exactly. So it wasn't this nice factory. It's near the border. Mm-hmm. It's now called or has been called no-go zone. Like okay. getting into there requires coordination. Okay. So we did that coordination. Yeah. Um, and we
0: filmed and then suddenly out of nowhere... A lot of yeah. militants. Well, let me let me, <laughs> yeah, let me me, me give a little more detail. It. It's like, yeah. so we were, it was with a drone. We were doing the drone yeah. shots and a detail, a specific detail that <laughs> just adds so much is that we had a, a 360 camera yeah. that we hooked up to the bottom of the drone. Yeah. And the 360 camera was like rigged with like zip ties and duct tape and just like stuck to the bottom of the drone yeah. near the Palestinian-Israeli border where, you know, minutes before we put the drone in the air, there was like these three white balloons just like kind of hovering over and you're like, Oh yeah, that's an explosive. And I'm just like, what? And you're just like, yeah, yeah, they do that just to annoy each other across the border. And I'm like, okay, this is the reality here. And that's where we put the drone in the air and we flew it out. And when it came back, it came back with a bunch of dudes on motorbikes and kids and just like a whole crowd of people. And then what happened?
1: So, they actually got angry because they were expecting um, a coordination to take place with them, hmm. and I thought that the coordination was done. But apparently, there was a miscommunication thing, and they wanted to delete the shots, hmm. and they even wanted to take the car to um, the the site. Hmm. And you know, it was it was fun because I wanted to uh, <laughs> solve it myself, but then David. <laughs> Decided to act like a hero and he got out of the car and in a second I was looking at him and he was talking about tea how delicious the tea in Gaza. It's the best tea I've ever experienced in my life. I visited 50 country, and this is the most beautiful country I've been to. People are kind. And I know he was lying, you yeah.
2: know?
0: <laughs> but let me let me tell you how the conversation inside the car went. So we had all these intimidating looking guys with beards and AKs and Arabic writing on the AKs coming on their dirt. So for me, in the context, like I'm sitting in I'm sitting in the UN car. On the bulletproof UN vest, which we never put on because we were like, how are we going to connect with the people if we're wearing these vests? Uh, And it wasn't at a time of escalation in the conflict. So it was okay to do that. But you said to us, okay, you guys go in the car. I'm going to handle this. And so we're in the car. And this was, you told me afterwards now that it was al Qassam. It was the military wing of Hamas. Uh, And so they were it was quite, for me, it was quite an intimidating thing because, I mean, I wasn't, I'd been to places that were fucked up before, but I hadn't been to this level where, you know, even when we were in the car, the guys would come by and they were taking photos of us from outside the car. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, and it was literally one of those moments where it was one of the only moments in my career so far where I was like, you know, do I need to text Ellen? <laughs> like, yeah. I was, I literally had that moment. Yeah, like, yeah. I may not, I, this may not end well. Like, yeah. we may not, I had full trust in you, but there were more and more guys yeah, coming. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And at that point, I was having a conversation with David, and David was like, yeah, but. David was getting kind of hippie about it. He was like, we're all humans, right? We have to connect on a human <laughs> yeah, yeah. level. I'm like, David, stay in the fucking car because Mo told us to stay in the car. This yeah. is a bomb-proof vehicle. Let's please stay in the car. And David's like, no, 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 no. We have to de-escalate the situation. I'm like, I'm sure Mo's got it. And that's yeah. when he came out. And then you guys are all laughing Talking with and <laughs> Talking <laughs> like, feelings.
1: Because one year before that incident, mm. um, uh, what do we call them? Like SWAT team from Israel mm. was found in Gaza. Mm. and they killed like four or five Al-Qassam members mm. so Hamas had some kind of reasons yeah, why yeah. they should suspect us and for me it was scary because if one wrong signal goes out mm. this could definitely go wrong yeah, and yeah. they wanted to take the car yeah. to the side and I they said this is a United Nations car mm. and you're actually not only not allowed to take it you're not allowed even to th- to see through it or to open it mm. and he said but the Israelis do that yeah, all they, the time. Yeah, I said, do. yes, but do you want to act like an occupier or do you want to act like people under occupation, willing and fighting mm. for freedom? He said, no, I don't want to act like an occupier. I said, yeah, but even your boss is committed to the United Nations rules and laws around deconflicting conflicting us. Like Hamas never checks us on the borders. Yeah. And then actually David helped. Yeah. When he made it a little bit nice, and then suddenly one of them said, like, Muhammad, we studied together in the same school. Really? And I said, I actually cannot remember you, but what's your name? And he said his name, and he said, hey, uh, do you help people uh, fixing their houses? I said, actually, it's not us. It's another agency. But what do you want? He said, just like nylon, uh, just to cover the windows was destroyed from the last escalation was shocking to me. Like, the one that I'm scared yeah. who would take me or do harm to me is actually in need for help. And this guy is Al-Qassam, the scary yeah, people. Yeah, He cannot even, like, warm his own kids. Jeez. And then it went well when they saw the footages. They delete nothing. Yeah. They deleted nothing. They trusted us in a way that we are doing something for
0: education and we explained the whole thing. It went well. It turned. There was a moment where it just yeah. completely turned. Yeah, they started uh, smiling. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember. And then all the doors of the car went open and it was all... You go. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, it was one of these moments which yeah. tells you... And, you know, he studied with me in the same school. Yeah. So he was a neighbor at some point yeah. whether in the classroom or in the next classroom i cannot remember him actually you mm. know because we study in a classroom that has 55 children yeah in a small box yeah. like yes you remember the 50 yeah. as you as faces but you remember your close friends like 10 15 yeah, and yeah. those people change every year so you actually yeah, yeah of course yeah but uh, yeah it was one of those moments which tells you what is for for me as Muhammad mm. um, I when he told me that there might be you might have taken a what footage of a tunnel yeah I knew that there are tunnels there yeah uh, but and as a Palestinian I will never tell if there is a tunnel here or there mm. to uh, to the Israelis for sure yeah but for me taking a footage for that factory to help the message is more important than your tunnel yeah, yeah that as an approach i have a problem with as a palestinian Yeah. i know you're trying to protect yourself i know that military wise this might be a yeah. great option for you yeah but from civilians perspective no no
0: no talk to me about the tunnels because yeah. to me like you were um the tunnel networks that you guys were talking about uh very extensive mm. uh used often and to me that just seems logical as a human beings if you're entrapped if everything is closed off historically again that's that's what we do yeah we dig holes we find ways to to go beyond the occupier the occupier the colonizer but what was the Uh, Yeah, what was that experience for you throughout your life, like hearing about these tunnels and the extent of which, and and now also after October 7th, like, you know, the fact that they're used as a reason to carpet bomb or whatever the fuck uh, the Israelis do all the time.
1: Honestly, it's, if someone from Gaza tells you, I know about the tunnels, he's lying. Hmm. Like we get some hints, like we see some marks here and there, Sometimes in deep, when it's heavy rain in winter, you find a street falls down Mm. because there is a tunnel. They fix it immediately, (laughs) magically. Like, you know, it's not the same as the damper that's going to take until 25. And I've never seen someone working there. Uh, No, in Gaza, it gets solved in 48 hours. It's not a joke. Like, everything gets resolved. People work, like, you know. so I've seen some tunnels, uh, whether after being bombed, hmm. or when it fell, or sometimes at Rafah, when there was like this tunnel system between Gaza and Egypt.
0: To get out. or. Plus in. they
1: get out or to buy cigarettes or something. Yeah, because yeah. we, at some point, man, we didn't have uh, cigarettes, like normal cigarettes. Oh, yeah. And it was like 12, 15 euros, they're back. Now it's um, it can go up to 50, Jeez. yeah. My father uh, pays, like, three euros per cigarette. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's bad. It's Egyptian. Yeah. Never <laughs> smoke Egyptian cigarette. <laughs> but my understanding, because I moved with work mm. across the Gaza Strip, mm. it's not a map, a, a network of tunnels that has been built by engineers over time. It's not a strategic plan. Mm. It was built based on the need. Yeah. Like, we need a tunnel from here to the borders we need a tunnel to move from this area to this area um i they think it's big network that is connected and complicated i think the complexity of it it's how random it is yeah yeah it's how basic it is yeah yeah and they think it's advanced and so on but f- w- what is advanced like they managed to build rooms underground yeah. it's been 17 years of bombing them
0: above yeah, like they'll have to find a space down um that's it like seeing cnn journalists like go in and be like oh oh, look at these times it's it seems so ridiculous now to look at that like knowing what i know and i know i know having had the the privilege of meeting you and you introducing me to that space and stuff now when i see those cnn journalists you know with their hard hats and they're doing their thing it's ridiculous like it's like the
1: idea of like for example janine they're getting into janine almost every day killing four or five Mm. Civilians, children, they don't care, like they're bombing the entire thing mm. They get in If Janine, for example, decides that, oh, we've been, we, we're we under a blockade for 17 years
2: mm.
1: Let's get some tunnels to protect us, mm. to protect some of our leaders and fighters mm. And this is not the entire population, only the ones who are fighting
3: yeah.
1: We accuse them of being terrorists because they're digging tunnels, not because we're attacking them yeah, I know. Like, yeah, yeah we want to attack Gaza, but because they have tunnels, what? It's yeah. their land yeah, yeah like even if they want to flip the entire city underground it's none of your business end your occupation and leave yeah, and yeah. if they attack you afterwards i'm gonna go against them not you yeah but as long as you're the occupier you have nothing to do with this tunnel system but um man it's uh it's magic like one day i was next to visiting a friend and in the extreme north
2: hmm.
1: And it's an empty land that looks like, you know, um, a a jungle or something, forest. And there was like some kind of um, escalation happening. And rockets went out. It's like small rockets. You you see them going out, which is so scary when it goes out. It's so loud. And you see them intercepted. They don't reach, but it's a message. It's a shout. Yeah, yeah. Then the artillery, the Israeli, bombs the oh, exact oh location. God. Yeah, yeah. Like hell. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: The next day I came, rockets went out from the same exact location. Whoa. The Israeli bomb made a huge hole like twenty meters down. Yeah. And still the rocket went out. And I said, What is this? And yeah, they bombed yeah. the place again they continue to bomb and it goes out those guys they have developed a way of continuing the message to go out even if it gets bombed the israelis they realize that you know we're just wasting bombs yeah but they continue to do it because the message is not to destroy the launcher Mm. the message to the whole population here yeah any act of protesting resisting or saying anything the coast is this. Like, we don't care. We can't bomb the entire area. Yeah,
3: yeah. And
1: that land was area. full of trees. Uh, two days ago, it was, like, you know, empty because of the bombardment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know this yeah, thing, like, the rockets going out from here, but I like to take things to the original thing of it. Yeah,
0: but and that's fair, man. Like, because, and that's just. Because, like, you have these arguments from... The Israeli side of like, what about all the Hamas rockets? And you know, we had to go into our bomb shelters. Like, that's the, no, for that's me, the thing. For me, as a Palestinian, Thomas, I'm not with mm. rockets mm. as a concept. Mm. I, I'm against
1: rockets because it's not targeted,
2: mm.
1: it's not directed, it's not smart. Yeah. And it's not smart not because we don't want it smart, mm. but we barely have internet, like, we have E. In our SIM yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah. Internet edge. like yeah, yeah, I yeah. cannot even open anything. Yeah, yeah. It's just a sign that we have internet in our phone, but it doesn't work. Mm. Uh, but the idea of launching rockets towards um, the Israeli cities, which sometimes can harm civilians. It can. Mm. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: It
1: didn't happen like for years. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you might talk about two or three got injured. Yeah, yeah. Uh, compared to the Israeli thing, like we're talking about tens of thousands yeah, who got yeah, killed. Yeah, yeah. But I'm against it. Because there is a possibility of harming civilians, even if you direct it towards military sites, because it's not smart. Uh, But also, when you say this in Gaza, they tell you, What is the other option?
3: Like,
1: how do we say something has to stop? This has to stop. How do we say it? You say attack soldiers, but the last time we attacked a soldier, Gaza was like sent back in life for 20, like 20 years back in life with the yeah. electricity cut and water and so on. Yeah. Like even sewage. We, our beach, which was one of the most beautiful beaches, was full of sewage yeah, because we yeah. don't have anything to uh, retreat the water. So what I'm saying that it's, you never put a victim in the corner and then criticize the way they defend themselves. Hmm. Like how do you, please provide an alternative. Great yeah. marshal Fleet Return, yeah. Was 7th of October, but in a peaceful way. Yeah. 350 were killed, yeah. thousands lost some of their legs, yeah. and it was shameful. Everyone was shocked. Why are you shooting people who are throwing stones and mm. so on? I know it had some violent some, uh, violent-ish, uh, accidents into it, but was uh, also a call. Like Thousands of people were saying, End blockade.
2: Yeah. We
1: didn't want free Palestine at that point. Yeah. Just allow goods to get in. Yeah. Like what is the concept of blockading 2.3 million people to punish 20,000 militants? Yeah, yeah. Talk to them.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, their demands are just too much for you because you don't want to give people the, what they're entitled for as rights. Yeah. Israel doesn't want to. Imagine Israel today. Yeah. He's saying, there will be no state solution. Netanyahu said, I'm the only one who can prevent two-state solution. If you use the slogan, prevent two-state solution, as a slogan for election.
3: Yeah.
1: All oh, those Palestinians have the right to change, make you change your mind. Yeah, yeah. And apparently the only way is not the court. Yeah. It's not the international pressure. The only way is just you pay for your occupation as long as you're doing it until you stop.
3: Yeah.
1: And it's unfortunate. I wish, like a lot. some countries, they got their states and countries without fighting. Mm. I wish we were one of them. Yeah been like thirty thousand people killed thomas a mm-hmm. lot of them family friends and it doesn't seem to end in a two-state solution because we still wanting the court to rule in favor of palestine yeah which is a done deal cause like it doesn't need to go to the court it's default
0: i know yeah i agree with that i mean i yeah maybe i'm even overly optimistic about the court actually having because it, it's true right like do we really like to ever like you say it's not complicated like when you see it when you've been there when you've met people when you've spoken to people it's not a complicated situation it's pretty clear cut you can see it with your eyes it's there it's 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 in the name of the place in the un general assembly it says it and still we're just like ah yeah that's how it's been you know when saddam hussein was saying we need to eradicate
1: israel You see what happened to him? Mm. One statement. It wasn't as powerful as one single statement of what Israel has been saying about the Palestinians for 100 plus days now. Mm -hmm. When you listen to the Israeli leaders, actually, I cannot accept that those people
0: are leading anything while I'm alive. No, I Um, I agree with that. It's 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 shocking. Yeah, but they're they're brain fucked. Like, they're completely like... and, And this is where... For me, I'm in a unique position to talk about this because I have built up knowledge from other genocides, the Holocaust, you know, Rwanda and all these things. And for me, why this was so like fascinating on a level, too, was that the stories you were telling me, I had heard them from a Holocaust survivor. The stories you were telling me, I had heard them from a a Jewish resistance fighter. I I was matching these stories. And so to hear, you know, people from Israel and people with Jewish roots talk about, you know, using, still using the Holocaust as a kind of like guilt trip justification, to me was like, guys, how are you not seeing this? Like, how are you not? That's where the double standard was so clear. Is like, you're not regarding the Palestinians as equal people. That's what it came down to for me. Like, you're not, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you're, like for every one like soldier idf soldier who gets captured there's a thousand palestinian kids like that's the that's the value that people like there's like values put on human life that are in no way equal and i was just like that doesn't make any sense treating the palestinians as human beings
1: starts in should have started in 1948 Mm -hmm. you want you wanted the jews to come to palestine fine Mm. Why you didn't talk to the Palestinians and it created an immigration system, mm. the same as what you have now in Belgium,
2: yeah, yeah. where
1: people apply and we have rules that applies. Mm. What happened is the opposite.
2: Mm.
1: A genocide took place, mm. recognized as Nakba. Mm. Uh, no one treated those people as human beings who do exist. They treated us as if we do not exist and we can just be pushed. Mm. And you push him, you push people how? Because honestly, it's not easy to get someone out of his house. So what you do, you commit a small genocide. And you allow the propaganda to make it as scary as possible. Hmm. This is what they made in villages, like almost 500 villages, man. They committed small massacres. They killed women, children, and everybody in an ugly way possible. And then they allow rumors to, to go out. And when it goes out without internet and so on You actually don't see the actual incident But you hear about it And it goes big Because we like to make things big Exaggerated as human beings So people start being scared And they started moving Mm. out of Palestine And I actually don't see the Israeli narrative changing since 1948 Especially this one Like they started by saying Yeah, yeah You know, Sinai Mm. What? Like Yeah, yeah Ah, You don't, you're not denying it. Yeah, no. Oh, we have been accusing you of this and we were waiting for the people on on earth to recognize this. Now you're saying it yourself. Yeah. Human animals, they just killed them all. Yeah. Yeah, destroy all hospitals. Man, I was shocked that there are no uh, tunnels under uh, Shifa. Yeah. I believed it myself because of uh, how Israel was very sure about it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I was
1: shocked when... Then, man, I... I realized, like, I've been to a Shifa hospital thousand times because it's the only hospital in Gaza City. Mm. I've been there thousands of times. I've never seen al Qassam mm. in the hospital. Mm. If you want to see al Qassam, you know where to find them. Borders.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Inside the city, they're just normal citizens. I've never seen them in a Shifa, mm. uh, but they took that as justification to destroy the biggest hospital in Gaza. Yeah, yeah. Like, if the war ends now, Thomas, I'm worried, I'm scared of the second after the ceasefire. There is nothing. They just sent it back in history before humanity. Like you're having empty land full of people in need for everything without any civil infrastructure. Mm. Like imagine Israel goes in a war with Belgium Mm. and then they destroy Ghent completely. Mm. Hospitals, schools, everything that means something to you. And they say, like, yeah, we're fighting uh, the the army of Belgium. The army of Belgium has his own military sites. Mm. And if you're 100% sure they're under tunnels, go fight them under tunnels.
3: Yeah.
1: Because technically you're not destroying tunnels. Because every day they come up with a new idea on how to destroy tunnels. So so far it's been a hundred plus days without destroying tunnels. Mm. So what you have managed to do is to make everyone in Gaza pay for it. Mm. And then you listen to them on TV and you say, Yeah, even the ones who did like a post on the seventh of October, we destroyed their house.
3: Yeah. What? Yeah.
1: Ah, interesting. And sometimes they like one of their journalists was saying, Yeah, but they ate sweet. Some people distributed sweet in the street. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, we saw him eating sweet, so that's why we killed him along with his family. Okay, fine. What about the Tadhourah? This Al Jazeera journalist man. Yeah, we've seen it. You killed his wife and children, and then you killed his own colleague, and then you killed his own son, and you killed, in addition, like a hundred plus journalists who mm-hmm. so were targeted live mm-hmm. on TV. You're not ashamed. I don't know how the world will deal and handle and live okay with the state that does this live on TV. I know. Admits it. I know. And they're still wanting the Palestinians to do a little bit more.
0: Yeah. But this is but this is the thing. Like, the targeting of the hospitals, the targeting of the ambulances, the aid workers, the humanitarian aid, the journalists, the doctors, the nurses. The UN. This, the UN. Like, that... That, like in the past, when UN buildings have been targeted in Iraq and all those places, the world is on fire yeah. for it, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's like they targeted the UN, it's done. Yeah. But here it's just like, oh yeah.
1: Um, I have a long, long lasting chronic affraction uh, here in mm-hmm. my shoulder because we're not allowed to have bags travel with bags and wheels. We need to have the ones like backpacks maximum. Okay. Through areas. Yeah. And we're not allowed to carry our laptops. So imagine my permit is actually a work permit. I go to work with the United Nations. Yeah. So we're not allowed to carry our laptops. We're not allowed to carry... We, we're allowed to take our smartphones, but not the chargers. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I laugh, man.
0: No, I know it's uncomfortable laughter. That's uh, the fucking. Yeah, yeah, and you ask, and
1: it's it's good. They allow uh, alcohol. One day I was like <laughs> coming back. And I had a Glenfiddich 18. Okay. Quality whiskey. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, a lot of guys are am going to so, be angry with this. So. One
0: of the reasons <laughs> we started hanging out, because you guys you got booze at home. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I was coming in, and this Israeli uh, soldier at Aries, he stopped me. And she said, what is inside? In a very angry tone, you know. Mm. And I said, it's alcohol. She hmm. said, no, no, it's in a metal Thing like it's mm, in the okay. cover. I said, yeah, yeah. This is Glenfiddich 18. It's a quite fancy, mm. expensive. <laughs> she said, open the bag. I said, actually, there are a lot of Gazans mm. on the other side, and I want to get it into Gaza. I don't have want Hamas to see it. It's gonna mm. be a big issue. So let it go, or you open it a little bit. You see it. She said, what? Like, is this really always Yes, she said. Do you drink in Gaza? I said, yeah. <laughs> We drink. Some of us, we do. And actually, you're welcome to come. Mm. We're hosting a party soon. <laughs> and she said, no, I might get killed. I said, but there is always a chance of not getting killed. Mm. He said, how? I said, no one is killing anyone for no reason there. Mm. Come as a normal human being and you will uh, have fun with us. Mm. He said, one day. I said, I'm actually looking forward to that one day more than you because you're living in peace with not. He said, yeah, yeah, I understand. And I got in. Wow. One of those conversations that I used to have, and getting into Gaza is mm. the easiest always because you're going back to prison, getting yeah. out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And sometimes you see an old woman crossing with, usually Gazans, they cross with a lot of bags.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You have to carry with them and help them because I, I, I was raised not to leave someone in need Yeah, yeah. and not helping, so and it's, it's hard but yeah um, that's that's the thing man.
0: but I remember leaving was hard because even for with the whole UN mission and all the approvals and all the documents and all the things I remember that day we were leaving they were gonna close the border and you were saying you gotta go now because otherwise it'll be stuck till next week or whenever yeah. the fuck uh, and I remember that we also had this whole protocol about the hard drives with the footage. Like I had to delete a bunch of footage from my computer that we could only have on a hard drive that was on the person of the UN representative. Yeah. And even that we hid in the car. Yeah. Um, and the UN representative then had to do the whole thing of uh, the Israelis said, we're going to search you. And she had to say, no, no, no. She had to do that whole protocol thing of like... Um, And they went through, I've never had a more detailed search of my camera bag. Every cable was like felt completely everything. And they opened all the battery ports and they wanted me to turn on and off the laptop and checked all the drives. And there was, it was such a detailed. What does it tell? What does
1: it tell? Like also add to it. That USAID, forget of the UN, mm. is sending a humanitarian aids to Gaza. They prepare it, they mm. package it, they put it in a truck, and they send it to Gaza. Mm. It goes for four hours mm. to be searched box by box before it's getting into the ones who are dying in need for these supplies. Mm-hmm. Dying. Mm-hmm. And they keep it waiting for tens of days. Mm. But also when it comes to entry... Even if it's USAID prepared, mm. which is a uh, wing for the State Department,
3: yeah, yeah. the
1: Israelis should trust them the most. Yeah. They still search it for hours, box by box. What does it tell you? Mm. Like, does it tell that those guys trust others? Yeah. Like they don't even trust their ally, mm. the one who's sending them bombs mm. to bomb Gaza. They always have, like, they never they don't trust the UN, for sure. Mm. That's why, like, if you trust the UN, you actually at least give them one guarantee that their national staff won't be killed while in, in service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friends and my colleagues in Gaza, when you talk to them, like, for them it's a, it's a decision they make every day morning. Mm. We're gonna go and help. We're gonna go and try to deliver. If something happens, this is what it is. You cannot run away from death. This is for a privileged UN humanitarian who, in any man-made disaster or natural disaster in Israel, might be the first to come and help you.
3: Yeah.
1: Because even if we are Palestinians, we're there to help humanity. This is why we joined this organization. It, I don't know how, how, how do you see it as someone from outside?
0: How I see it? Um, well, This I is actually- a trust issue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's obviously this massive paranoia state uh, in Israel, right? Like there's a, and like you say, they're like, they think when they enter Gaza, it's death. Yeah. Guaranteed death. Like even me, because I'm a queer person, like they're like, oh, you're queer, you're going to die. Like the moment you cross the border, it's like, it's not like I'm going to be like, like flopping dildos around when I come into Gaza. Like I'm going to be fucking, I'm just a human, right? I'm just coming to meet people and do a job. I'm not, there's not a, there's like, but there's this mindset of like, that's the place where death happens. Uh, And honestly, that was the framework that I had go, like part of the framework that I had going in, even having seen all the, the documentaries and read the books and all the things, but it was then meeting you and Isra and Joe and just, all the people we met while we were there gave me such a different perspective on like what life was like there, how hard it was there. Um, but also like the, just, yeah, the difference in like, because I admire your humanity, man. Like the fact that you, your resentment towards the Israeli regime doesn't even go onto the people of Israel.
1: Of course not.
0: But that's like, I don't think... I think there's people who have nothing to do with that conflict who can't maintain that level of humanity, whose anger is so much at the injustice that's happening that they're like fuck them, you know. I th- there's definitely a bunch of people who are like that now, and that's it's a testament to your strength. And it's and that's the thing about that was what struck me about the Palestinians in general was like even in this occupied. You know, your lives is, are dominated by a colonial state that's every element of your life, you're reminded that you're colonized. You still maintain this humanity. You still have this thing of like, even you and Israel, like when, when, when I became, when my activism really became since October 7th around this, although I've been outspoken about it ever since, you guys are the ones who keep pulling me back. Like, hey, also live your life. Because that's also, because impo- that's what we want to do, right? That's yeah. what we all want to work towards, right? Like, yes, we need to shout about injustice, but we also need to live our lives. And in that sense, I've learned so much from you and from just all the Palestinians I've met about, like, just tapping into that, the humanity. And the, the sad part that I feel, and I definitely also know Israelis, progressive Israelis, who are in pain right now about what's going on and how it's all unfolding, but there was a level of, um, you know, knowing what I know about genocides as well. um, I know victims of genocides. I've also studied perpetrators of genocides, and what that does to a population is also so devastating mentally, because it just... There's something about the human brain that's so susceptible to that kind of, like you say, they turn the propaganda switch on, and it's just, there's this hate machine that's just constantly fueled. And you see these people just say things where you're like, are you really incapable of not taking a step back and seeing how dehumanized this has all become? Like, that's the thing that strikes me when you see like, you know, you see these telegram groups of like these Israelis, like laughing at photos of, of, of dead children and all these things. And you, you see it and you're like, that's the thing that strikes me the most. Like in all the anger I hold uh, and I am sensitive to injustice. It's what I've invested most of my life in is, 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 is studying it, filming it, communicating it even in that level of anger i could never look at a photo of a child or a suffering child or a dead child or a suffering person or whatever and feel you know happy or like feel like it's energy i could never ever do that and to see that on such a large scale now that's devastating like that's to me that's like the biggest consequence of this conflict there's the there's the mass suffering now acutely in one place That has to stop now, yesterday, months ago, years ago, decades ago, that has to. But to me, zooming out to the broader like global narrative, that makes it even scarier, because I feel like the bar has been lowered for humanity and everyone sees it. Everyone's just like, oh yeah, this is where humans are at right now. Mm. And that scares the shit out of me, because that's like where, are the, those are the standards we're holding each other to now? Like that's really like, that's what, that's what humans have come to? Like it's like the bottom of humanity has just dropped out and we're just like, this is where we're at now.
1: You know, um, I have a lot of international friends who mm-hmm. used to come to the city. Some of them, they come for a while and some of them, they come for years, like they come to work. And the first message I say, do not get emotionally engaged in this conflict Mm. because the level of injustice you're going to see you will not accept as a human being Mm. try to disconnect don't go too deep don't overthink it because it's crazy it can drive you crazy how this is acceptable and this is not in Gaza in Jerusalem Mm. and in the West Bank so this is my message but also I understand that I understand why Israel is not seizing fire, because hmm. first it's the only country on earth that doesn't have fixed borders in their constitution.
0: Mm.
1: No borders.
0: That's interesting. I it's didn't a know country that.
1: that keeps expanding. Yeah, yeah. That's why the whole entire the entire f- concept of settlements. Yeah. It's against anything good. Yeah, yeah. You know, imagine the idea of you living in a piece of land and someone comes yeah. with a small tent. Yeah. And say, this is my land, stays there. And he mm-hmm. gets supported by the army.
2: Yeah.
1: And the tent becomes ten. And they keep expanding until they expel you by force. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes an Israeli settlement. They start building roads and surround it with big walls and add it, annex it to Israel. The concept itself is like are we talking about a cancer that keeps extending? Yeah, what yeah. what are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in order to protect this project, you need to build your defense system, not based on mutual agreement and trade and interest and so on. No. It's called the concept of deterrence. Mm -hmm. Everyone should be scared of attacking you. Mm -hmm. And Hamas attacked them on the 7th of October. Now, they want to retrieve that concept of deterrence Mm -hmm. in a way that will stay in the Palestinian, Lebanese, and everyone's mind for good. Mm-hmm. You don't dare to attack us, no matter what we do. Yeah. And when we do, at yeah. the scale of what we do, even if we take everything, any attempt to attack us this way will end in a genocide. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I think... And people like me, they have the right to be angry. Mm -hmm. They have the right to say whatever they want about Israel. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's the moment. This is the moment of anger. But when you look a little bit long term, how do we solve this, Thomas? Like, what is the solution to this? Blood and death is not the option, especially for the weak. No. Like, we are, we might be the weakest now on earth. And we're attacked by the strongest. Isn't this enough to stop this or to understand us? But also I understand that people who commit suicides, Hmm. regime who commit suicide, and they're unfortunately in Israel, they're supporting by the public opinion now. And I understand why. But they go through a lot of self-reflection, sometimes self-reform, sometimes reformatting. And sometimes these crimes could destroy the state itself. Yeah. So they have to be aware that they have been trying this option of killing and scaring and expelling people for decades. It did not work. Mm-hmm. What about once mm-hmm. in Israel history trying to give the Palestinians a state, 22% of their own lands, with full, and I, I don't understand the point, like, you know, um, 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 an armed state. Yeah. disarmed like why <laughs> yeah if like honestly yeah, yeah. you should disarm israel yeah, yeah because of what how they're using weapons yeah, yeah and i don't mind palestine to be like with no weapons i don't mind mm. but adding this as a condition dehumanizing the palestinians right of self-defense yeah, yeah. but anyways try this and i was saying from 8th of october the only way to destroy hamas is peace yeah Netanyahu to go out, say, hey, recognize Palestine as a state. We're withdrawing from 1967 according to the international laws and UN resolutions. Mm -hmm. We're ending the blockade in Gaza. And we're asking everyone to guarantee our national security. And we're willing to have normal relationship with Palestinians. Mm -hmm. And over time, we do a bridging program so we can live as two normal neighbors. Mm -hmm. And honestly... The only one who can do this is the strong, the occupier. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, we are going through the same exact cycle. And honestly, as a Palestinians, as long as we're not free, we don't mind it. Mm-hmm. We're going to continue like finding ways to free our own country or at least to be able to move from a city to a city. Yeah. It's not acceptable that my father has not seen part or 60% of our lands in the West Bank, for the last 40 years, he has not been able to get out of Gaza. Mm. Like the, I, my first flight, I t- I took my first plane in my life when I was 30 years old. Mm. First time to get into an airport. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we need we need to find a way to bridge the gap between us as two societies. Yeah. Because we're we're the same. Like we like falafel and hummus and yeah. it's rare to find people <laughs> who love falafel and hummus together as like <laughs> But we're we're the same. We used like they used to come to visit Gaza. Yeah. In the seventies. Yeah. My father used to work for an Israeli businessman mm. and it was it was always nice relationship. Mm. Just the radicalization drove it in a way that is ugly and we're reaching a moment where we're actually negotiating, swapping children and allowing humanitarian aid to get in as part of a deal yeah. between militants. Like if you have any military honor, both of you, yeah. children should be out of prison immediately without discussion from both sides. Yeah, yeah. A humanitarian aid should be unhindered
3: yeah.
1: at all. And the Israelis have to accept this. Because with this approach they're gonna get into a lot of wars. Yeah. And if they get into a war with a stronger party than Hamas mm-hmm. who could hinder humanitarian aid to Israel, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: they will ask for this as an entitlement, as a right without yeah. negotiation. Yeah. They have to do it and I I'm, I'm, I'm you know there we still have two children left in Gaza, kidnapped, mm. and still tens of the palestinian children are uh, in prison in israel yeah, yeah. some of them they spent years yeah, yeah, yeah we've never talked about them but that's a
0: that is the one that's another thing right it's like yes obviously uh the hostages taken by hamas that's a, that's a war crime it's unacceptable definitely that it's children that is you know that's all we can condemn the shit out of that all day long but the fact that the conversation isn't doesn't even include the people the palestinians <laughs> who are taken, yeah, and that that has been going on for so fucking long. Yeah, uh, like the fact that that's not even part of the conversation is shows you where it's at.
1: Still, despite that, Israel continued to arrest children until today yeah, yeah, in the yeah. West Bank. Every single day it happens. No one condemns it. I know. Like it's fine. Israel gets to do it. We as Palestinians should not do it. Yeah. No, I know. You know the act that kills you. Mm-hmm. does not justify no. doing it yeah. you're complaining yeah. you're asking the world to help you from these acts yeah. do do it yeah. we still have two kids in Gaza yeah. and still tens of kids in the Israeli jails yeah. humanity can at least make a small win yeah. by convincing both parties to release those kids immediately immediately unconditionally don't talk about it don't negotiate it the same as humanitarian aids. Those are defaults. Yeah, I know. If we maintain them,
3: yeah,
1: this war might continue, but it's going to be continuing in a way that is acceptable. Yeah, yeah. And if you do this, you reach that level, you're taking the war a little bit above, like mm-hmm. to the minimum standard. Then you talk about, hey, civilians, infrastructure, stop attacking them. Mm-hmm. And for Hamas, if... Or they can announce their full commitment not to use civilians infrastructure, and they're saying that they're not using it. They have their tunnels. Yeah. But the idea of
0: swapping kids. I know. I know. Oh my god, we're too low. I know. That's it. But this is the thing. But this is the thing. Like for October seventh, for people who knew, because there were people who, like, you know, there were these online videos of that bulldozer going through that fence and being like, they broke out of prison. Like there was that whole like and. Everyone who knew what they were talking about was like, this is not good for anyone right now. Like what's going to follow after this? Everyone who knew what they were talking about was like, this is, we need to, we need to pump the fucking brakes now. Um, Obviously we're fucking 115 days later and uh, it's just gotten worse every day. I got shocked, yeah, that day. Um, I remember it very well. But my last, the last thing I want to talk about with you, because obviously you want to go back. To gaza yeah 100 percent. the city has called its people what's the what's your plan
1: what do you want to do so my basic understanding uh, i read history very well and i read everything israel has done
2: mm-hmm.
1: in all its wars they attack the social fabric mm-hmm. they want to destroy the society and also the psychology of a human being. Mm -hmm. So what I want to do, because there is nothing literally on the ground, the only way to help people getting back to normalcy is by them taking the ownership of these actions. So you want people to realize that they need to stick together and come back. You know, the idea of hundreds of people are queuing to get into the toilet it's devastating mm. but even in these difficult times under bombardment we can together find a local solution because um, outside we cannot get them toilets we cannot mm. get the medicine so we need to revive the society see how the power dynamic changed and bring them together because the ceasefire will take place
2: mm-hmm.
1: but with the starvation and hunger people might start eating themselves mm and each other. Mm. And this will bring a lot of violence and radicalization. The only way is to make people do and achieve small wins Mm -hmm. by changing and making now a little bit better Mm -hmm. together. And they can do it. They can protect themselves. They can build small toilets, even if it's so basic, organize things because you need your best qualities in these darkest moments in history. And Gazans have been quite uh, mind-blowing when it comes to how they come back to life. But that requires energy from inside. Mm -hmm. I cannot come from outside, tell them what is the right thing to do. You just need to facilitate and provide some kind of safe space where people express how they wanna rebuild the city. Because they need to take ownership of that rebuilding and they need to take ownership of making this second better for my own kid. Mm-hmm. Because you know what it broke me the most, Thomas? I've lost a lot of people. Mm. But when my nephew, and I called him a few days ago, and he said, Ankel, I've got muscles. I said, wow, been working out? He said, no, I've been carrying the 20 liters, uh, gallon of water for almost 700 meters every day, but tomorrow I'm taking a day off. Mm. I, we finished the call, man, I I was broken. Mm. Like, how in hell we allow this kid to experience this for that long? And this kid is privileged Mm. because he decided not to follow the Israeli orders. And he did not evacuate his home in the north. Mm. Some other kids, they are sleeping now on the ground in a tent where water is getting in. And they're extremely cold. And the only way for fathers to warm them is to hug them. Hmm. And we have, like, usually the, the family composition in Gaza could go up to four or five kids. Mm-hmm. So you need you know, a lot of hugs to a lot of kids yeah. continuously. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. And the society is facing um, even the worst-case scenario it was not like this, Thomas, for us. We know that this could go bad, yeah, but yeah, not as this. So we need to bring the society together. My plan is to do a massive social mobilization mm-hmm. where we mobilize all those young people, 20, 30 30,000 young people, and we get back to the elderly. We get them out, women, girls, boys. We need everyone to be part of making now better, but also planning for the reconstruction of Gaza and making it a loving caring, welcoming place as it used before. And I think the Gazans will also build it uh, as a place who never say yes to the occupier. And if we do not find a solution, we might meet again in a decade or so. Mm-hmm. But I hope that this will be the last war in that area, because mm. honestly it's enough. Mm. And uh, peace sounds good. Sounds music to me, while as a human being, I'm bleeding. Hmm. But maybe it sounds as the only way out for us as Palestinians. I know for Israelis, war sounds as a way out until now. Mm-hmm. I hope that situation will change this.
0: Well, dude, I hope um, I will do what I can to support you. You know that. Um, your family in Ghent, we're going to take care of them as long as they need to be here. Um and hopefully um, we can meet again in Anytime. Gaza. <laughs> I hope we
1: can do a call when I'm in Gaza. Like you know, I would love to give you some kind of um, reflection from the ground because it makes all the difference. And I hope to see you soon in Gaza.
0: Dude, we're gonna we're gonna continue this. Yeah. You're gonna be back on this, but we're also gonna just I will be back. Sure, I will definitely be back. Sure, yeah, yeah thank you man with this guy coming with you thank you (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you brother so there you go that was the pilot episode i am going to try and build some regularity into uh, posting these but for now i'm working towards one or two a month together with the ranty videos that i do um so definitely check us out on instagram fuck diplomacy or me thomas maddens on instagram and tiktok and um for now the long form is just in audio we're definitely going to work towards long form videos because obviously we have those recordings but we got to work on a post-production workflow but in the meantime please guys uh comments like saves shares talk to your friends rant resist free palestine and um fuck diplomacy so uh, much love to you guys and um we'll see you soon for the next one or we'll hear you soon or you know all, all those things so much love bye bye